Welcome to the Carveline Tech Service Podcast, the go-to industrial coatings podcast. Here are your hosts, Jack Walker and Paula Jamis. Welcome to the Carboline Tech Service Podcast. I'm Jack Walker. With me, as always, is the director himself, Mr. Paul. Wait for it. A Jameis. Hey, Paul. How's it going? You know, I've actually run into people who, I mean, they're in the industry, so it's not surprising that they listen to our podcast, but have actually brought up the, please tell me you have a middle name that starts with a W or. <laughs> is, it, is that, was, was that your experience at Codings Plus? Did you become wait for it? Is that your new nickname? <laughs> I think it might be. I think it might be. <laughs> anyway. We actually are continuing our series on specifications today, and uh, we're having Kevin Kipp on. Kevin Kipp, we'll introduce him, but he's with Hardig Industrial, and Hardig Industrial is a contractor that focuses on the food and beverage, pharmaceutical, and industrial manufacturing markets. If you go and see them on LinkedIn, you'll see lots of beautiful, beautiful floors. So anyway, we wanted to know what's important to Hardig Industrial and contractors when they are looking at a specification. So here's our interview with Kevin Kipp. Joining us this week on the Carboline Tech Service Podcast is Kevin Kipp. Kevin is the co-owner of Hardig Industrial Services. He also serves as a senior project manager. Hey, Kevin, welcome to the show. Hey, Jack. Paul, how's it going? Good, Kevin. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Just hammering through paperwork today, taking a nice little break to talk to you guys. So we've been doing a series on specifications, and this is the next episode in that series. And we wanted to take a look at the different angles that anybody could come at from a specification. So we thought it would be valuable to have Kevin on to talk about what's important to a contractor when they are looking at a specification. And I think that comes across in several different stages during the job. So I think we, we start at the beginning, Kevin, you receive a specification and you read it and you have to make a bid. So as you're looking at that specification, what's the most important part to you? So as a contractor, it's a little bit different than my background, right? I, I've got an ACE and SSPC inspector background, sold technically for Carboline in the past. So, you know, I had to kind of change gears when looking at specifications. Yeah. Now I look at how is this going to impact me as the contractor, you know, from a standpoint of taking the ink on the paper and turning it into an executable project. So, I'm looking at a lot of different things throughout the uh, phases of a specification in regards to quality control, inspection, the products, and how is that going to impact my bid? So in most situations, I flip straight to the product section. This will give me a quick snapshot of the entire job and see if it is a feasible project for us as a contractor to pursue. Once we've understood that the materials make sense for the scope, and it's something we're comfortable with looking at, I'll then start matching up the specification to the finish schedule to make sure there's no ambiguities or any differences between what is actually marked on the drawings and in the specification. That's a great perspective to take with it. That's kind of the same thing that we do from a technical service side is, you know, we jump right to the products. What's mm -hmm. there? How are they being used? Do we agree with the way that they're being used? So okay. a little bit of your paint background comes out in, in your approach to it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I'd say that the years that I spent selling coatings and reading through specifications and 
trying to change specs mainly. That was that was kind of like my number one <laughs> job as a as a salesperson was how do I get the best product in here? How do I get this contract or this company out? You know, I kind of look at the same way as a contractor is, is this the best product for the project? Does it make sense? And if it doesn't, that's when we start the substitution process, start working with manufacturers that are listed or not listed to get them involved in the project and ensure that the owner is getting the absolute best system for their environment, for their use. One of the struggles I see with specifications is the typical copy and paste. Materials are old thicknesses are wrong. All these things just don't meet the needs of the project. So that's really where as a contractor, if it's gotten to me and it's wrong, we really need to put our best foot forward to get the uh, specification reviewed and look at how we can fix this for the customer. Absolutely. And you know, that's something that I think that the engineers don't actually think about all the time is the execution part of the uh, product and how it goes in and what the requirements are for the job. So sometimes that'll help drive your product as well is that execution part, the time that you have to do it. I know that Hardig specializes a lot in installing resinous flooring. So there's a lot of specifics there as far as execution. Yeah, I'd say as a contractor, execution matters the most to us. The products are what they are. And a lot of times there's like and equal products out there that will meet the needs of the project as far as performance characteristics, life cycle goals for what the engineer is going to be talking at at a high level. What they really don't think about is, can the contractor do this? Can we put that product down in the environment that we're being given? You know, a lot of times there's products that are being specified that have windows of 50 to 90 degrees. Well, when we are in the job site in a food and beverage facility and it's wet, and it's cold, it doesn't work, right? So a lot of times I feel like the problem with a specification is they're not always taking into consideration what the environment that the contractor is going to be given to install that product is actually going to be. And so, yeah, that is obviously taken into consideration in the bid stage, but obviously as you're doing the work, right, you know, it lays out exactly the order and things like that, that you have to do your install. So I was going to ask this later, but it kind of naturally leads into it. I think, especially when you're dealing with the kinds of projects that have the kinds of specifications that we're talking about, it's really important that you hire a quality contractor, a contractor that is experienced in these types of situations because some of these specifications are like 200 pages long if you gave it to any tom dick or harry they'd be completely lost so could you talk about that for a second so this kind of strikes a really important chord with me when it comes to specifications and projects i get on a soapbox and i talk all the time about contractor selection not just because i'm a contractor i've been doing this since i sat on the other side of the bucket and I was matching contractors up with projects, it's really important to make sure that the right contractor is bidding the work, the right work, right? So I always looked at it from a standpoint of, does this fit the contractor's desires to grow? Is this their market segment? Are they comfortable with these products? I do the same thing as as a contractor. I, on the proposal side, try to get out in front of the project and ensure the owner, the owner's rep, the engineer, the CM, whomever I'm working with, that this project makes sense for Harding Industrial. We really have spent a few years honing in 
what our sweet spot is, what our best market segments are, what our best application for a resinous floor type is, you know, where we're going to be the most efficient, the highest quality and be able to be profitable because at the end of the day, we need to make money. Right. Yeah. So I have emphasized to our team, you know, when we're looking at projects, we need to stay in our lane, right? We, we know what our lane is. Let's stay in it. Because at the end of the day, the contractor is three quarters responsible for the project. We have to prepare the substrate, whether it's a concrete floor or steel structure. We have to field manufacture the products and then we have to install them correctly and warranty it. The manufacturers, they've got a lot of front end participation where they mm-hmm. need to get the right products specified, make quality products, get them in a bucket and get them to the job site. Listening to your process and the way you go through it, it reminds me a lot of the way we work with our customers from a tech service side. It's the same way. I may have a dozen different products that'll work for a project and meet all of those requirements. But if it's not something that the contractor who's using it is familiar with, it's not going to go as smoothly. If one of their go-to products will also work, that's probably going to be the best experience for everybody is to use that product that you're familiar with in a way that you're familiar using it. Yeah. I harp on that with customers all the time because you know they'll ask us if we could install this. Well, if I can find something that's like and similar in characteristics and that we're comfortable with it, I'm going to guide that customer or owner to that uh, installation or product because I know that we can give them a successful project and execute a great result for them. Coming from my days with Carbline, I completely agree with you. I think your tech service group does a great job of matching contractors with their competencies and product line. And the best part is they're not afraid to say no. Carbline reps have never been afraid to say no to a contractor when they know that it's going to end bad. I've had to do it. And it's not always a fun conversation, but it's a conversation that needs to be had to protect the manufacturer, to protect the contractor's reputation and to protect the owner from uh, having an issue. It's all about scale of complexity, right? Some products are significantly harder than others. And we're even seeing this uh, bleed over into some of the commercial world too, where they're really struggling to find qualified contractors to do the work. And actually I can say for a fact that the industry, at least the standard creating industry is looking for a way to solve that problem. For resinous flooring over in Europe, they have FERFA, right? FERFA has developed all these standards and they've got training protocols and levels of skill sets for contractors. That's something that I'm really passionate about. And it's something that I've wanted to be part of here in the U.S. is developing a set of standards for a resinous flooring contractor because it's honestly, it's not out there. You know, we're, we're reliant on the manufacturers policing what products can be sold and who they can sell it to. And while some are better at it than others, there are a lot of people out there just saying, hey, here you go, A, B, let's see what you can do. And it's really given contractors that have invested in training and equipment and things like we have a bad name when you're going out to an architect or an engineer that has had a resonance flooring contractor install integral code base that had no business installing integral code base. If I said to you that every one of my guys in the field is 100% proficient at integral code base, I'd be lying to you. There are guys that aren't out there that they're not allowed to touch a trowel you know, <laughs> until, until they're ready. And that's how we manage quality, you know, is we, we self-police it. We do put our guys through training. We're in the process of working internally on building a completely new training program 
before the merger of AMP, we had started sending a lot of our foremen to become certified concrete coatings inspectors. And I'll tell you that that has made the world of a difference because they're paying attention to specifications. They're paying attention to technical data sheets and they're ensuring that their environmental conditions work with what the manufacturer is requiring or what the specification execution documents are requiring. Absolutely. I mean, I think I've harped on this before, specifically when we talk about concrete, it is very important that you have the right contractor. Anything can and will go wrong when you're coating concrete. And it is important that you have the guys that know what they're doing. That being said, and kind of rounding back around to specifications, you know, we talk about all this stuff, the bid happens, you get the job, you know, the execution, and still in a kind of a sense of redundancy, there's usually a uh, pre-job conference that the contractor, the engineer, the owner, everybody takes part of it. And, and it's really a review of the spec and clarification. Can you talk about that meeting and how important that is when you're working on a specified job? Yeah, so a pre-job conference can be either a very, very fruitful meeting or it can be a deer-in-a-headlights meeting, right? You can have <laughs> completely different results based on how prepared both sides of the project are, right? If you have loose specifications and expectations that are kind of unclear, the pre-job conference can be really difficult because there's understandings that need to happen. You know, people need to understand what the overall expectation is, the texture of a floor or the film thickness of this project on steel. There are a lot of different variables that need to be ironed out in a pre-job conference. A lot of times in a pre-job conference is where the expectations of the contractor are finally coming out. This is when I get to voice my opinion on how many foot candles and light I need to actually perform the task. What does the temperature need to be in the facility for me to make sure that the materials are drying? And all these things, they're spelled out in my bid and my proposal, but let's face it, it's not always read. It's not always noted until it comes out of my mouth in a pre-job conference to say, hey, this is what I need. These are my power requirements. These are you know, the laydown space that I need. It's always a learning experience. I think it's a good practice to have. We have obviously, in the times we're in, done a lot more of these remotely, which I think is a challenge because we're discussing projects, scenarios outside of the actual workspace, right? So mm -hmm. I'd prefer to do it on site where I can walk the floor and take a look at cracks, issues, you know, potential bird baths or areas that aren't sloped correctly and bring those out to the owner and say, hey, here's some problems that I'm seeing. These are the things that we need to handle. None of that's really outlined in a specification, unfortunately. Yeah. And so all of these things are important when we're looking at specifications from a contractor point of view. Kevin, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show. We'll have to have you back again, maybe to talk about some resinous flooring. Thank you for joining. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. For Kevin and Paul, I'm Jack, and we'll see you guys in a couple weeks. And so for the Carbaline Tech Service Podcast, I'm Paul. And I'm Jack. And we'd, we'd like, like to, to thank, thank you for your support. support. Put the light.